What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. And you walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you to be. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode, dealing with anything and everything from evangelization to catechesis, discipleship, relationship advice, and the list goes on. I will then pray with your questions, study your question, reflect on them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to grow in virtue, to grow in holiness. However, here's the disclaimer. I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice I give you might not be helpful for you to grow in virtue if that's the case. I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow closer to Jesus. However, if my advice is helpful for you and it does help you to grow in holiness, though it's difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ so that he can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship. You can also ask me your own questions, uh, send me your comments and your critiques at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can also share us on your social media pages. If you do this, it helps other people find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people as well. I'm super excited because every now and then I get to uh, invite you to meet my friends. So I've had Jeff Cavins on here before. I've had Dr. Mario Sacasa. Today is no different. I have my friend Avera Maria Santo um, in the house today, and she's going to be speaking with us about pretty much everything of the love of God, intimacy of Christ, theology of the body, um, same-sex attraction, and the list goes on. So, Avera Maria Santo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Father. Yeah, so I'm super stoked about your presence. Um, so, we always start to show off with a glory story. So, I was wondering, can you share with the listeners a glory story that happened to you in the past week? Yeah, absolutely. The fact that I'm here is great. Um, after all the storms that I encountered on the way here, being safe, uh, pulling up uh, to this parish has been great. Um, but also, I think uh, God has really taken the time to remind me of the fact that he wants to be close to me. And he wants this uh, intimacy with me, um, whether it's in, in prayer or just in my everyday life. He wants that intimacy. And uh, that's been really reassuring and really beautiful. So uh, being reminded of that, whether it's through uh, your prayers or, you know, prayers of the people that have been uh, with me along my retreat so far. And I'm only two days in. Um, it's been powerful so far. I'm really thankful. That, that makes me think about that old school song from Luther Vandross. The closer I get to you, ooh, ooh, mm. <laughs> I can feel your touch. And then Beyonce comes in over and over again. I try telling myself that we great that you know all of these just like i don't think anybody else on a podcast would bring up luther vandross like this <laughs> so this is so good luther vandross is a necessary member of the body of christ and i reverence every member of the body so i'm super <laughs> grateful for for the gift that he is um to to the podcast and so um avera you um uh have a a wonderful story and so on today's show, we're going to talk, talk about different topics. We're going to talk about gender dysphoria. We're going to talk about um, parents who have kids who experience same-sex attraction and are, and are in um, relationships with people of the same sex, the same gender. Um, but before we get into those topics, I wanted just to, to hear your story and hear how the Lord has been working in your life because I think that, you know, Pope Paul VI, he said that the world today no longer listens to teachers 
it only listens to witnesses. And if the world listens to a teacher, it's because that teacher was first and foremost a witness. And I think what gives you authority whenever you share the joy of the gospel is you don't just speak truth, but you speak truth from a place of vulnerability, from a place of experience. And I think that's why you're, you're so effective in your ministry. And so can you just like share with us a little bit about your story, where you came from, and, and your own walk toward eternity um, with the particular experiences that you've had thus far in your life? So um, I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama, so I'm actually not far from Father Josh. It only took me about three hours to get here. Um, so yeah, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, was born into a predominantly Catholic family, went to Catholic school all of my life, pre-K all the way through 12th grade up until I was in, uh, up until I was started college. And um, around my sophomore year of high school is when I really started um, making my faith my own. I went on a very powerful retreat really to get out of a soccer tournament that I didn't feel like playing in. Um, but I went and had this really powerful encounter with God, um, particularly in adoration. And it was actually, I believe, the first time that I at least remember ever going to adoration. So that was my first experience with that and really experiencing the fact that God was real and God wanted intimacy with me and God wanted a relationship with me. So it was very powerful. It was at the same time, however, the same conference that um, one of my good friends that I was rooming with, one of my best friends at the time, um, said she was a bit hesitant to go to confession because she didn't want to tell the priest all of her sins. And I just kind of sat with her and talked with her and just, you know, like, what's going on? Like, is there anything you want to talk about or things like that? And she had told me about a sexual encounter that she had had with another woman and kind of came out to me in a way as bisexual. And it was the first time that, you know, sexuality was brought to to light in this way that, um, you know, was, wasn't this abstract concept. It was something that someone very close to me was actually experiencing, you know, uh, any other time just to be very, just to be very honest. The only other time that I had really ever heard the term gay used was when I heard football players throwing it around at each other when somebody messed up a play, you know, it, it was this abstract concept. It was a slur. It was, it was not something that I had a personal encounter with. And I remember getting closer and closer and closer to this friend to the point where I felt myself being attracted to her. And it was this experience, it, it was horrifying to me, you know. Um, again, because it is so abstract, I knew nothing about it. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know who to talk to about it. I didn't think I could talk to anyone about it, um, especially being Catholic. You know, I just, I didn't know what the church thought about uh, homosexuality I you know it was one of those topics that was so taboo even in my high school I don't think it was touched on once you know the entire time that I was there it was such a taboo topic which made me feel so isolated that something was so wrong with me that no one even wanted to touch it it was almost like leprosy in a way you know like everybody kind of knew it was hanging in the air and yet no one wanted to address it no one wanted to say anything um, there was kind of the shame about it you know, not only with the person that experienced it, but the people who had to kind of stand by and, and, and watch or see somebody that they love experience it. Um, so I kind of just had to suffer in silence um, until I had a, a very good and holy priest. Um, I went into his office one day um, and just kind of sat and I said, you know, Father Dan, I think I'm gay and I don't know what to do. And he just kind of looks at me very intently. And I remember he says, you are so good are so so good and still to this day every time he sees me he'll say it and 
that was the kind of shift for me when I started to think, not in terms of my sexual desires, uh, disorders as they may be, um, I started looking at myself with a God's eye view. You know, I started to change the way that I that I thought about myself. Whether, uh, you know, it, I, I am not what this society calls me. You know, I am not, I cannot be reduced to my sexual desires. You know, there's so much more to my uh, humanity than my sexual orientation or my sexual desires. Um, so it, it took a while, but, you know, I started talking to more and more people about it and then uh, started writing about it online and realized how many people were actually searching for this information and not just from someone who was talking about it again in abstract concepts, somebody who actually experienced it. Um, so I had a lot of people coming to me asking me questions and many of my friends actually coming to me and saying, I thought I was the only one. Mm. So it's been very powerful so far. I've only really been in my ministry part for about two years, but it has been a really, really powerful experience um you know coming to love and to know christ in my experience um that he's there and he's doing something and something good something beautiful something true um with the desires that i have with the cross that i carry that is so beautiful you are so beautiful you are a gift of god the father okay i'll stop all right that's the end of the show she says stop now nah, but um question so was the first time you experienced the attraction to the same sex, was it the time when your friend was sharing her heart with you? Or would you say even as a younger child, you were aware that you were drawn um, to the same sex as far as your desires? Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. I think I have very, um, very limited or very kind of skewed memories of being drawn to women in a particular way maybe not the healthiest way even when I was younger um, but then again I do remember when it started so I can definitely remember a time in my life when I don't think I would have even understood what it meant to have romantic or sexual desires towards the same sex you know because again like it's just our natural inclination or, or it's the natural thing to be attracted to the opposite sex so I had no idea um, that that was even possible you know, so there there was a time in my life when I grew up with that. Um, so I did experience kind of a shift in some point in my life. I'll probably say around the ages of maybe 12 to 13. Um, but that time when my friend um, came to me, I was probably around 16 at the time. And so you went to Father Dan, Father Dan Good. He's yes. a good, good <laughs> priest, a good, good father. And he let you know that you are good, the truth of who you are in the eyes of the Father. And so... Um, is that something, the Father blessing that you received from Father Dan, is that something that has drawn you to to live out the gospel in the midst of experiencing same-sex attraction? Because I think sometimes what happens is, is because we experience certain desires and the world, right, the media, books, television, music, everything says, well, if you have the desire, you should do whatever you want. Is Was his blessing, his paternal blessing, something that drew you to think of a third way, a different way? Father Dan Good changed my life, <laughs> you know, um, anybody that uh, uh, will come up to me and ask, I, I will say that it, it, the turning point was him, was that conversation with him specifically. Um, 
he was the one, he was kind of the catalyst that propelled me forward. And there was definitely stumbling blocks in between that point and now. Um, but he definitely, he changed everything for me. He gave me, um, like you said, he gave me a third way. He gave me a way to, um, you know, I believe Jason Everett in his uh, video about homosexuality says that really society gives you two options. You There's either gay pride or gay shame. And I wasn't satisfied with either of those. You know, I felt like there had to be something else. And I didn't know what it was. Um, but him saying, you know, you are good. There's something so inherently powerful about that. There's something of God in that, you know, because we say God is good. You know, we can go to the first, uh, the first letter of John and hear God is good. So there was something of God in that. Um, so, and I, I feel like in shame, you know, God, God does not, uh, he doesn't give me anything to be ashamed of. And then pride in a sense is, you know, like the, the worst of the deadly sins, you know, to have pride in that way. So I wondered, you know, what, where's the balance? What is in between these two things? You know, what is, what is the, the, you know, how am I supposed to think of myself? And, you know, he set the standard for me and it was, so so powerful so I give him credit um I give the credit where credit is due where his paternal care his willingness to tell me the truth knowing full well that I could have rejected it and that many people do reject the truth um he was so brave and he was such a good father um for telling me the truth now um that's so beautiful so beautiful I know that you live out chase celibacy right um are you are you happy like are you happy being a chase celibate oh no it's miserable it's terrible i hate it no tell me about it i know look i made vows and i'm like jesus take the wheel jesus take the now nah, i'm joking jesus we we got this no nah, no nah. so so is it so are you happy living out chase celibacy? because i mean again like what i hear so often out there when i talk to people whose kids um have same-sex attraction like what well, how can i stop them from experiencing uh, sexual intimacy, they're going to be miserable. And here I am talking to a young woman who's in her 20s who acknowledges, like, you still, I mean, you you love the Lord Jesus Christ, but you still have same-sex attraction, right? You're still attracted to But you're living out chaste celibacy. And so you're happy, though, right? Now, there is more, I, I know in this, in this culture, this might be a bit of a shocking revelation, um, but there is more to life than sex. Um, so there's more to intimacy than sex. Um, and I still experience, um, I still have very intimate, very fruitful friendships with people, very intimate and powerful relationships with people. And there's no sexual element to them. You know, I know this might be fascinating to people, um, but also, you know, I, I, I'm blessed to, you know, still have my virginity after all these years. But, and, you know, at the same time, even if I didn't, like, I know many people who don't have that. Um, but again, I don't have to live my life chasing that, you know, like, I don't have to live my life chasing that one thing. Um, whether I am celibate for the rest of my life or whether I do uh, get married one day to a man, just to be clear, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, God does not withhold anything from me mm. you know he didn't even withhold his own blood from me so if he withholds marriage from me if he withholds me entering into the marital embrace if he withholds sex from me it must mean that i don't need it amen yes yeah, so i remember when i was in um in assisi years ago i was praying before john paul st john paul the great's altar who's like my homeboy i know you love him as well 
And uh, and I heard the Lord, I perceived, I don't want to say I heard because that's immature. I perceived the Lord speak to me and I perceived the Lord say, Josh, you will receive the gift if it is for your sanctification. If it is not for your sanctification, you would not receive the gift. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately after that, I went to San Giovanni Rotondo to go pray at Padre Pio's body. Like that's my man. And we get there and six months leading up to that pilgrimage, I was told by one of his friars that he would allow me to celebrate mass as a newly ordained priest on Padre Pio's altar. We get there, and the priest is like, yeah, I'm not feeling well. You can't do it. Wow. Yeah, oh, I know, right? Wow's your reaction. My reaction was more sinful. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and I remember going to the sacristy, and this young priest, another newly ordained priest who was in Rome, walked in. And I said, oh, what you about to do? And he said, I'm about to go celebrate Mass on Padre Pio's altar. <laughs> and you better believe envy came in so quick. And so I went to Padre Pio's exposed body because his body, which is incorruptible, was like out there open. And I started screaming at him in front of everybody. I was like, Padre Pio, you did not bring me out here to not let me celebrate Mass on your altar. What's up? <laughs> and as I was going off on his, his corpse, um, I perceived those words come back. You will receive the gift of celebrating Mass on this altar if it is for your sanctification. If it's not, you're not going to receive that gift. And guess what? I didn't get to celebrate Mass on his altar. And it hit me after the fact I don't need to celebrate Mass on Padre Pio's altar to become a, a, a saint, to live a life that's canonizable. And the same applies to you. Like, you don't, you might, God might call you to the, the state of life vocation of marriage, but only if it's going to help you become a saint. God might call you to the state of life vocation of consecrated virginity, but only if it's going to make you a saint. God might call you to religious life. Only if it's going to make you a saint. God might invite you to remain a single woman for the rest of your life. Like the single saints, like Dr. Muscati, uh, the dude who was like a layman who was just a doctor. He was a doctor. He was single. He was never consecrated, never religious. Uh, Jacinta, Francesco, there's so many saints who didn't have a state of life vocation, and they're canonized saints. And so it's like God would give us what we need to be, to be saints, and he would fulfill our desires. But with all that being said, I don't want to ever make it sound like being the saint we're called to be is, is easy. Like I talk about NFP all the time on the show. Like people are like, man, Father Josh, like you really like care about natural family planning. So I mean, I talk about creatine. I talk about uh, the symptothermal method, Billings. I really am a big proponent of it. But I also want people to know that because I speak about it so much and I encourage people to practice it, does not mean that I'm in any way, shape, or form saying I think it's easy. Mm-hmm. And I think the same would apply for, like, you and I. I mean, I am a chaste celibate as a priest. I've made a promise of this. But, like, that doesn't mean that it's easy every day. And I'm pretty sure the same would apply for you. Just because you've made the choice to live your life as a radical disciple of Jesus Christ, to live chaste celibacy as a woman who experiences same-sex attraction, that doesn't mean that there aren't days where it's like, dang, bro, like... Like, I don't want to live like this. Yeah, like, just because I made this choice does not mean in any way, shape, or form that it is easy for me. In fact, I think it makes it harder, you know, if anything. It makes, you know, it makes the struggle harder, but um, I think it's not necessarily the, the struggle... Uh, itself the experience that gets harder but it's us that gets stronger um it is a god that fills us um that that gives us the grace of his strength um that gets us through it you know it it is not an easy thing and a lot of people might ask me you know do you still experience it yes you know like it's not just a general thing like i like people i'm attracted to different women in my life i'm attracted to some friends you know like um there's 
there's the active experience of it and it does not make it easier that I've chosen celibacy. In fact, it makes it a lot harder. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, one of my favorite things to say is, uh, the heavier the cross, the more beautiful the journey. Mm. And this is a very heavy cross. You know, it is a burdensome cross, but I think specifically because of that weight, because of how heavy it is, because of how burdensome it is. Um, I think I look more like Christ in that because he carried the heaviest cross of all, you know? So the heavier mine is the more I imitate him. Earlier, you and I were praying together. And one of the images that came to me as we were praying for me was a reminder of experience I had years ago, whenever I was praying at St. Francis Xavier Silas's shrine. And I was crying out to God before the altar because I have a thorn on my side. And it was like, I was like, God, take this thorn away from me, bro. Like I've been like, leaning into prayer for years now, trying to like cultivate this relationship with you and this thorn would not go away. And then it hit me as I was praying, like this thorn has drawn me to my knees and it's drawn me to this profound intimacy with Christ. And if I did not have this thorn, then maybe I wouldn't be such a radical disciple. And so I imagine the same would be true for you that even though I'm sure you, you probably, I'm just going to assume and I could be wrong, but you probably begged the Lord at times like, Lord, please, please I, don't I don't right here. Yeah, right. But <laughs> And then, but because of the fact that you still experience those attractions, that's probably drawn you to a profound intimacy with Jesus beyond your imagination. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There was definitely times, and I do remember a very specific instance where I was uh, at my old high school, and uh, the Blessed Sacrament was exposed, and I remember going into the chapel and just saying, like, God, why would you do this to me? Like, why would, why give me this cross? Like, I haven't killed anybody. Like, I've been living, like, a pretty good life. Like, why do this to me? Why give me this cross if you knew it was going to bring me to my knees? If it was going to, like, if I was going to fall flat on my face? You know, but at the same time, I'm crawling to him which is exactly where he wants me to be. If I was given the option, if I didn't have a, I, I once heard somebody say, um, a, a, a mother who had a, a, a daughter who was in a same-sex, uh, quote-unquote, marriage, you know, she said that, you know, because she had suffered so much, um, she had grown so much closer to God. And she said probably the worst cross of all is no cross at all. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's no cross at all because, you know, what's going to draw you um, to rely on God completely. You know, I've come to notice just how weak and feeble I am because of this cross specifically. You know, so this is the one that draws me closer and closer to Christ. You're so right. If I didn't have this thorn, I probably would have wandered off a long time ago. But because I'm so weak, because of the amount of suffering that I've had to go through, it has drawn me so much closer to Christ crucified. And in that is the promise of the resurrection. If I stay put, if I stay put, if I stay on that cross, there is the promise of the resurrection. Good Friday and Easter Sunday came in that order for a reason. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Every hour I... Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. She over there like, she's going hard over like she was doing some old school dances just now. And then the mic goes to her face and she's like, oh, no. not today. <laughs> not today. Bye, Felicia. Boy, bye. Boy, bye. Well, look, y'all, we are, uh, you're tuning in right now to Ask Father Josh. It's a delightful conversation with Avera Maria Santo, and, um, and she is just a beautiful, beautiful gift, a beloved daughter of God the Father. 
um, who has joined us today on this podcast to share with us her witness, um, this truth of the joy of the gospel. If you saw her face, you would see joy beaming out of it. And this girl is living out holiness. Like holiness is so attractive. And so um, don't ever settle for anything less than what Jesus Christ invites us to. Um, So we're going to take a quick break. And whenever we come back, we're going to dive into some questions um, dealing with gender dysphoria and also with um, having family members who experience same-sex attraction and are choosing not to live chase celibacy. How do we respond um, to them? And Avera is going to give us her thoughts, her feelings, and her desires to those questions. Stay tuned. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds two thousand years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Thank you guys so much. Uh, just a quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can record a voice note, and we will play that on a future show as long as it's appropriate. And uh, a pro, pro, bro. Keep it a pro, pro, bro. And, uh, and don't forget to share us. Share us on your social media pages, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That way, if the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for other people as well. So, Avera, we're going to jump into some questions first one comes in from anonymous anonymous writes this it's about gender dysphoria and the desire for marriage uh so this person says this dear father josh first of all i would like to say that this is my favorite podcast of all time what shout out yo god bless you um, i look forward to every episode and hearing what answers the church has to the questions of her faithful i like that you said that her faithful because the church is not an it yes. she's a she she's our mother right the bride of christ Uh, Thank you so much for all the time and effort you put into delivering those answers to us and praying for us. Here's my question. From a young age, I've been struggling with gender dysphoria, and I've been faced with the way it tempts you to resist God's will for your life. I'm now 17. I'm 17. Is that, wait, 17 or 16? Wait, I'm 17. No, no. That's 22. That's 22, yes. Oh, man. Anyways. I pray for you, Tay-Tay. I'm praying for that little girl. But anyways, by God's grace, I received healing such that it no longer controls my life, and I'm completely submitted to the teachings of the church on the topic. Yo, that is so beautiful. That's why I always say rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Mm. Whenever we fall in love with the Lord, the rules make so much sense. Love has to always precede law. Amen. Love precedes law. I'm going to write that in my book. Um, (laughs) However, it is still something I struggle with, and I don't know what the future holds. I do have a desire for marriage, as God intends it, but I don't know if this would be a problem for me. Should people who do or have dealt with gender dysphoria be allowed to marry? 
Would it affect my ability to be a good mother and a wife? Should I rule out the vocation of marriage as an option for me? Or do you think it would be worthwhile to pursue and a cross worth carrying? Thank you so much. And God bless Anonymous. Wow. Gosh, that is so beautiful. At 17, just the way you articulated that is so, so beautiful. Praise God for you, first of all. Just let me uh, encourage you and, and uplift you in that way. Praise God for you. Um, I would definitely say keep keep that hope that you still could possibly be married. Um, uh, I, I tell people this in a lot of the talks that I give. I still have um, the hope that I could be married one day. You know, I'm not closing that door. To a man? Yes, to just to, just to be clear, you know, just to a man. <laughs> um, I still do have that hope. Um, and, you know, again, God would never withhold anything that I need for my sanctification from me. So if you are called to marry, if, if that is what's going to lead you to your sanctification, is that's what's going to lead both you and your spouse to heaven. Um, then absolutely you can be married one day. I definitely don't think that because of this particular struggle that it would keep you from marrying. Yeah, I just want to follow up with that, that every time I see a bride walk down the aisle, she's not walking um, to the groom. She's walking toward the groom so that together they can walk to the altar to face Jesus, right? The Your spouse is is a gift that is a bridge for us to get to the end, and the end is Jesus. So marriage isn't about liking somebody. It's not necessarily even about the feelings. Marriage is about me saying, I think that I can help you get to Jesus, and I think that you can help me get to Jesus, and we can hold each other accountable to to abiding together in Christ in this life and ultimately in Christ for all eternity. And so just because someone has same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria does not mean that they cannot fulfill the demands of the sacrament of marriage and accompany someone else toward the ultimate bridegroom, our, our, our spouse, Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely don't discount that, you know, don't completely close that door again, because, you know, this is a door that if God wants to keep it open, he is going to keep it open. You know, there's nothing that you or anybody else can do to close that door. Um, so, you know, keep that hope and keep your options open. But, you know, at the same time, give it give it to God. Even give this struggle, give this cross to God. Um, if you do eventually find someone to marry, um, I, would, I would hope, and it is my prayer for you specifically, that you find someone uh, who is able to carry that cross alongside you. Um, I am a, a member of the Apostolate Courage, um, which, which is an uh, apostolate uh, geared towards giving pastoral care and community. Um, to uh, people with same-sex attractions. Um, so one of the, th- and I, I have met many people in the Courage Apostolate that are married, you know, and I know plenty of people who have, you know, same-sex attractions or gender dysphoria or both, you know, that are, that are beautiful uh, husbands and wives uh, to their uh, spouses and their spouses will often, you know, go attend courage, you know, with them or encourage, which is the apostolate for family and friends who know and love somebody um, who lives with same sex attractions. Um, so yes, don't close that door on God. If he wants that for you uh, again, he will never withhold anything that you need for your sanctification. So don't close that door. Um, definitely keep it open keep going to God in prayer. Um, and I'm praying for you and your future vocation. Um, so again, definitely don't close that door. Keep it open for God. Yeah, and I think just one thing that's that's true for all of us 
um, who are invited to be disciples of Jesus Christ, who are invited to dwell with the Trinity, is to maintain two things, an interior relationship with Jesus Christ in consistent prayer and also intentional time with community. No man, no woman, no person is an island. And so we all need brothers and sisters who can accompany us. And so no matter what state of life, vocation, or just vocation in general to the present moment and to become a saint, however God calls us to that end, um, we, we all need some form of community um, and we all need Jesus. We need Jesus and his grace is sufficient. His grace supplies and, and God is enough. And so um, I think you have a beautiful question, Anonymous, and I think you are a beautiful beautiful beloved child of the father and so um let's continue to walk with each other let's continue to accompany each other um in prayer and continue to hit me up with more questions so that we can walk and uh, and hold each other accountable as intentional community toward becoming the saints that god calls us to be our final question um comes in from a a heartbroken parent uh this is about a daughter who is living in a same-sex relationship father josh My daughter recently told me that she is in a relationship with another woman. I told her that I love her, that I believe that it's wrong, and that she's welcomed in my home. But this is becoming problematic because I have grandchildren. I don't feel comfortable talking or knowing about her relationship. And in my heart, I know this isn't right. I don't know what to do except pray. I will always love my daughter, but it feels like my family is falling apart. Do I just let go? Do I keep putting boundaries? I'm afraid of losing my daughter completely. I also don't want to do or say anything that would be unchristian-like. One last thing. Some family members, Protestants, have reached out to her and told her that they were supportive of her truth. I don't understand how any Christian would not be loving enough to tell her that it's just not right. Signed, heartbroken. Oh, my goodness. Um, First of all, the first thing I would say is that you are not alone. Um, I don't know if you uh, uh, are, uh, again, are familiar with uh, the Encourage branch of Courage, but it's usually for um, family members, friends, even spouses um, who know and love someone with with same-sex attractions. Um, I actually just came back from the uh, conference, the uh, International Courage Conference that is held every summer. And um, one of the most beautiful parts of the conference is... um, the courage members get to sit down. Um, they break us up into the the courage men and the courage women. And uh, for for me, the uh, courage encourage parents who have daughters or nieces, sisters, whatever it may be, um, who live with same sex attractions, we all get to to sit with each other and converse. And the encourage parents will often ask us questions and and things like that. But you are not alone. There are so many parents, aunts and uncles. Um, uh, you know, friends, close family friends who are there and are heartbroken. Um, and, and this is a very real struggle. This is a cross. And I just want to affirm you and, uh, and uplift you in this moment and say, like, you, you are not alone. You are not by yourself. You are not isolated. Don't let the devil tell you that lie because there are other people who are struggling in the same way and they are also praying for you. Um, there are so many of them out there that, that are praying and, and we're praying along with you. Um, what I would say is, depending on the relationship that you have with your daughter, do not be afraid to listen to her story. Mm. Simply listening to a person is not sinful. You know, just simply sitting there and taking in, you know, their testimony or, or you know, what they have to say, that is not wrong. And I will tell you, 
I've had some of the most beautiful conversations about this topic from people who are active in the lifestyle. You know, they have taught me so much just about how to love unconditionally and, you know, just how to encounter people where they are. You know, your daughter is where she is, you know, and God has his eye on her, has his hand in her life, even if she has no idea about it or does not care. You know, God is still there. He is not going to abandon his daughter because I know it might be hard to believe, but he loves your daughter infinitely more even than you do. Um, So he has his hand on her. Um, But just listening to the story, listening to maybe what she's experienced um, can absolutely be fruitful. And just you knowing more about your daughter's story and then, uh, you know, listen. And when you do have these conversations, listen in order to understand not to respond. That is the biggest mistake I think a lot of people make is they listen in order to respond or in order to like say something profound or something like that. Sometimes it's just a listening ear Mm -hmm. that people need. It is just an open heart that people need to come and rest in. But that builds up that trust, Mm -hmm. you know, because now they have, you know, this person that they know, even if they know that you disagree, they know that you are open to listen. You know, they know that you are open to hear, you know, what's being said. And so I, I, and a lot of times I will actually say this, a lot of times people will reveal their wounds on their own. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, I had a friend of mine who um, identifies as transgender. And I remember asking him about his experience and he said something to the effect of, I just feel as though I have a woman's heart. So I was like, go deeper into that, push into that. Um, What do you mean by that? And he said, well, a woman's heart is compassionate, it's kind, it's sweet, it's nurturing, was saying things like this. And I was like, that's it. He has never met a man with those qualities. Mm. So he inherently, in his mind, associates those qualities with women and therefore thinks of himself who experiences all those qualities as a woman. You know, so oftentimes people will reveal those wounds, but you can only speak and speak truth into them and hopefully help with the healing process if you know they're there. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Um, So listening to her story, listening very intently, listening to understand, I think is going to be the first step. Um, Think of uh, Jesus talking with the woman caught in adultery. You know, he encounters her first. Mm -hmm. Um, Where The call to conversion comes afterwards, but they're they're in that order Mm -hmm. for a reason. You know, she opened herself up to him because he encountered her Mm -hmm. first. He said, woman, where have they gone? The people who are going to stone you, you know, where are they? He encountered her in that, in her most vulnerable state. And it was because of that that she trusted him enough to follow that advice. And the same applies for Jesus and the woman at the well, and the list goes on. But I I want to, just to follow up with what Avera was saying, in order to practice active listening well, I always encourage fasting. Fasting is not something we should we should just do during Lent. It's not something that should be kept on Fridays alone. Fasting should be a way of life for any disciple of Jesus Christ. And so fasting, obviously, first on the on the basic level is with food, right? And you deny yourself food. But then once you get used to doing that, St. John Chrysostom says that we should fast from our words. Like that's the real fasting is fast from speaking unnecessary words. Right? And so whenever we can fast from speaking, we actually can listen better. We have two ears, one mouth, which means God intends for us in the theology of our bodies to listen more than we speak. And then when we listen, 
one thing one of my spiritual directors who since passed away into eternity, he, he used to share with me is when you listen, apply the steps of Lexio Divina to conversations that you have with people. So focus on what did the person say and then meditate. What did that person, what they said, what did it say to me? And then pray, have a conversation with God about it and then contemplate. Just let God look at you and gaze upon you as you gaze upon God. Right. And then your resolution is come up with more questions to go to the person with, like Jesus, he always has questions. So tell me more. Um, whenever we ask the person more questions, it lets them know that we're actually invested in learning their story, as Avera was saying. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Pope Francis in the Joy of the Gospel says, you listen, 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 listen. And we can't know how we can share even the gift of an invitation to discipleship unless we have learned the bride. Whenever I was a New Lourdes priest, I was talking to a beautiful religious sister, daughter of St. Paul, Sister Tracy Duga. And I said, hey, um, I said, I'm going to LSU. What advice do you have for me? And she said, let your bride know that she's beautiful the way she is. And in order to do that, you have to learn your bride. And so I had to, like, learn the students. And before I could ever, ever communicate the joy of the gospel that I had received from Christ in prayer and in formation, I had to learn my bride and how could she eat this. Some people can eat a steak. A steak is objectively good, right? But some people can eat the whole thing, and other people need to be cut it up and put ketchup with it. Like, does this person need me to cut up and put ketchup, or can they just eat the whole thing themselves, right? So we have to learn how to feed, how to communicate the bride, and we can't do that unless we first denied our own voice in the conversation and sat with the other person and prioritized their story, prioritized their person, um, and then we can do the work of God. Um, so I just want to first, and also I want to affirm you. You said you pray for her. Beautiful. You say you told her you loved her. That, that is so powerful, right? You, you've acknowledged to her that you disagree with her lifestyle, Great, you're being you're being true. You're being real. Like you've done so much good. Um, now now it's time to accompany her, accompany her, and keep walking with her, no matter how messy it gets, because that's what Jesus Christ did. And the gospel, Jesus Christ tells you, He says, if they reject you, treat them like 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 you would a tax collector. Now, how did Jesus Christ treat the tax collectors? He had dinner with them. So if she continues to like reject whatever it is you say, then invite her to Ruth Chris. Yes. And if you want, take me with you, because guess what? I'm always down for that juicy, buttery steak, and I would love to sit and listen to y'all's conversation. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. So beautiful. Powerful. Yeah. So, look, anyways, we're 40 minutes in, and so that's like, that's a lot. And so, Avera, this has been a great gift. I've, I've, I haven't cut up this much in a long time, so um, I've got to have you back on the show. You, again, I just want to affirm you. I want to affirm that you are God's beloved daughter, that the Father delights in you, that the Father um, has called you by name, to become a phenomenal, beautiful saint in your walk toward eternity. And I consider it a true blessing that the Lord has invited me to be this close to the body of Christ um, tonight and to be impacted by your witness. You are a necessary, necessary member of the body of Christ. And um, I just want to close this in prayer right now. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, I just want to, first of all, to say thank you so much for sharing your beloved daughter with me um, this week while she's on retreat. She is an absolute gift. Um, oh, man. Oh, John 17, Jesus, Jesus, you said yourself, Father, uh, Avera is, is your gift to me. In John 17, you saw her and you said, she is your gift to me. And Lord, I'm grateful because just as she is the Father's gift to you, she is the Father's gift to me. And the Father is using her to just, just help me to, to, to want to spend more time with you, to want to love you more, to want to be more radical in my discipleship. So I just thank you for the way that community has the, 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 the capacity to, to draw us to not be mediocre in our relationship with you, Lord, but to really long uh, for more, to receive more, to want more, um, to crave 
for more of you so that you can do only that which you can do. And so, Lord, I just bless you and I thank you and I praise you for the ways in which she is blessing me by her by her very presence, by her very being, um, by, by just who she is, not necessarily by what she does, but by who she is, um, your beloved daughter. And so, Lord, I just, I just praise you and I ask that you just um, seal any graces that she's received over these past couple of days in her retreat and that you continue to just um, pour out your spirit upon her to allow her to receive even more graces in her walk toward eternity so that she can become the particular saint that you've invited her to be um, and that she can draw other people to fall in love with Jesus, to stay in love with Jesus, and to abide in the love of Jesus Christ now and for all eternity as necessary members of the body of Christ who dwell with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so uh, we just entrust this whole conversation, this friendship, this, this podcast to your daughter and our mother, Father, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All for the heart of Jesus, through the heart of Mary, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all, stay tuned next week. I can't wait to continue to walk with you toward eternity. And don't forget, hit me up with your own questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. God bless.